Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous Forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by. Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. TV. embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. It is going to be sick. Welcome, Marinero, on this Monday, January 22nd. It is one minute past 10 o'clock, and we have a dandy lined up for you today because, of course, joining us tonight on the Sick Podcast is going to be Eric Engels from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca and former NHLer George Larac of BPM Spod. He'll join us probably in about 30 minutes' time. Eric Engels to join us in a couple of minutes. The Sick Podcast, of course, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, recently named by Deloitte and CIBC as one of Canada's best managed companies, the country's leading business award, recognizing innovative and world-class companies. Of course, I'm talking about Energy Transportation Group. You check them out. They are absolutely amazing. Also brought to you in part by, um, oh, by the way, I'm not finished yet because um, uh, the best managed Canadian company's designation fuels energy's purpose of creating progress uh, for their customers, their employees, and their communities. I just wanted you to know that. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Actually, as a matter of fact, I also saw it on uh, LinkedIn earlier today. Over the last couple of days, they put a couple of posts up. They are hiring uh, here in uh, Montreal and also in, I think it's Chattanooga, that branch over there. Energy Transportation Group, also brought to you in part by these guys here, La Bitta TB, um, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. They offer quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB, embrace your true nature. Also brought to you in part by Playground, with over 30,000 square feet of new gaming, dining, and entertainment space. It's time to reacquaint yourself with Playground, world-class sushi, AAA steaks, live shows, a brand-new poker floor, and so much more located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal Playground. Playground, experience the strip without the trip. By the way, speaking of Playground, I can tell you right now that uh, Agnello has been working on this for quite some time, uh, and he's going to have a uh, charity 
poker tournament uh, with proceeds going to um, families of SMA to cure SMA, which, of course, is what Sammy was diagnosed with at uh, the uh, very young age of just nine months old. And that poker tournament, and I'm going to be there. And, of course, Agnello's going to be there, and Sammy's going to be there. And we look forward to seeing you. That poker tournament is going to be on Saturday, February 17th. So save the date. Details will follow in the next couple of days. Uh, we're going to have more info on that. But for now, I'll tell you, save the date. It's going to be Saturday, February 17th. I'm so much looking forward to that. It's going to be a great time, great people, a great place, uh, a great time, and a, a great cause, of course. Also, um, also brought to you in part, the SICK Podcast is by Accent Insurance Solutions. You know all insurance isn't created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you, Accent Insurance. Accent doesn't sell insurance. They shop it for you. That's what they do to find the right product, right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, whether it's home, automobile, or business, call the Accent team today and get the right solution at the right price. Visit their website at accentassurance.com. The number to call, 514-363-3636. Without further ado, we bring him in from Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca. Eric Engels, how are you? I'm back on the old school camera here just for one time. Sorry. That's okay. Listen, it's it's not the end of the world. Uh, I could see you. It's extremely – it looks like what I looked like when I was in Portugal uh, about 10 days ago or whatever. It looked like uh, a little bit of a blur and all that stuff, but it's okay, man. It's okay. It's all good. It's been, the last week has been a bit of a blur. I was at five hockey games. I traveled all over the United States and uh, – Wow miraculously didn't put on any weight while I was there. So that was good. It sounds like a dream job and dream life. You'd think so. But, um, you know, leaving Montreal to get to New Jersey, we had three flights canceled. I flew to Philadelphia. We got into Philadelphia. I ended up, uh, we were waiting to get to the gate for an hour and a half after we landed, which is always fun. Then I took a train to New York from Philadelphia just to get there. And uh, I'm thinking wow, you know, like train travel is perfect. This is great. And uh, sure, wow. the, the train stopped for an hour uh, on, the, on the way in. So that's just a sample of what this trip was like. It was kind of planes, trains, and automobiles, but um, covered five games and seven nights. And uh, that last one, last night at Belmont Park, uh, watching Patrick Waugh make his debut, like those are the stories you live to cover in this business. It was it was. It was a blast, and I really enjoyed writing about it. I want to start with the Montreal Canadiens, but I'm happy that you brought up Patrick, and I'm happy that you were there, and I'm happy that you wrote about it uh, because we will get to Patrick. As a matter of fact, I took out a couple of quotes. He's going to be a topic of conversation. But we're going to start with the Canadiens. And by the way, regular uh, Eric is a regular, of course, on Monday night. Uh, but it, it, it might it might not be a long night for you because the second I saw it, the Montreal Canadiens recalled Arbor Jack. I had to give George Larac a call. For because- sure upset at the world ever since Arbor got sent down and uh, at one point he didn't think Arbor would be back and then this and that and whatever and he was really really upset and now he's like the happiest guy in like the city and the province and the country so mm-hmm. George is going to be joining me probably in about 30 minutes time or so but let's start with the Canadians there was a heated debate on BPM Sports of which I'm a collaborator on George Larac's show Monday to Friday at around 12.40 p.m. with Larac and Gonzalez. But there was a heated debate on the morning show 
that took place between Renaud Lavoie of TVA Sport and Gilbert Delorme. Gilbert, former NHL or former Montreal Canadiens, long story short, for those who missed it, Gilbert wasn't having any of this whole fatigue stuff. They, uh, they drink like champions. They eat like champions. They have nutritionists like champions. They travel like champions. Um, they're highly conditioned athletes. And uh, Renault was on the, uh, the, the, the other side of the discussion that, you know what, it was, um, it was uh, seventh game and 11 nights, or it was uh, six games and nine nights at one point, and it took a toll. I, I think that was, that happened after, yes, that happened after the loss in Ottawa versus the Senators, where the Canadians gave up six, lost by a score of six to two. The following day, that was their conversation on BPM Sports Radio on the Friday morning. And then, of course, as everyone knows, they gave up nine in Boston. So let's start with the whole fatigue thing. How much do you put into fatigue and how much don't you put into fatigue? I don't look at fatigue as an excuse anymore. I kind of see it as a reason, right? And like you can, there's two varieties of fatigue. One is physical, which is an obvious thing. And sometimes within a game, you know, it, it takes time to get the legs going through the first period of the second half of back-to-back, and then they start to come as the game goes on, and the lactic acid buildup kind of turns over. But mental fatigue is a real thing. Like, it, it just is. You know, like, you're engaged for so long, and you're running from one city to another. And, yes, the, the Canadians and every other team in the National Hockey League has to deal with it, and they're given the most optimal circumstances to deal with it well. Like, you know, they're – Everything is taken out of their hands to ensure that they do one thing and one thing only, which is rest and prepare and, and be physically prepared. But the mental aspect is is a real one when you're bouncing from arena to arena and just on the road for a while or, or coming in on the second half of back-to-back. And, like, that's not unique to the Canadians. If you ask any team in the league, um, there's few of them. There's a few of them every year that seems to do well on the second night of a back-to-back, and I, I think it's more – coincidental than it is any I don't I don't think you could find like an actual like recipe as to why that's yeah. the case. That said, like yeah I'm in the room talking to them after all these games. I haven't heard anybody at any point say, well we were tired. Like nobody's using it as an excuse around there. So I don't I don't know why or how it inspired such a big debate as a topic of discussion. I don't think it's an excuse. I think it is a reason is it the reason? I would never put it that way. I do think, though, like, honestly, and I've been lobbying this for forever, like, shorten training camp, shorten the regular season, have the schedule be a little less condensed, and get rid of the amount of back-to-backs we have. Because I think as hockey fans, reporters, whoever, whoever's yeah. in the building to watch it, the product is suffering watching on a night where one team is fresh and the other team, you know, played the night before. It just, it doesn't I totally work. concur. I've been lobbying for like a max 70 game season for, I don't know how long I think there's, there's once again, I think the preseason is too long. I think there's too many two and twos, three and fours, four and sixes. Um, I, I think the Stanley cup comes out way too late because when it does, people would rather go out for an ice cream and, uh, and that's that. And, and, you know, I know what, everyone will come back with and that the league won't have it and they need X amount of games to make money and this and that and whatever. And, and I've gone as far as saying that if eliminating 12 games, which is uh, one and a half to two games per month during the season, um, if there's less revenue coming in because of it, I'd be willing to go as far 
as having advertising, you know, logos, whatever, on jerseys, and some people lose it on me. I, I don't think I don't think we'd lose out on the revenue side. Like I don't think we'd lose out on the revenue. I think the the quality increase would mitigate whatever you lose in terms of the gate or um, TV. You know, games being broadcast, uh, uh, maybe eight less games broadcast between preseason and regular season. More than anything, it's just like uncondensing the schedule. Look. The, the fatigue thing, okay, and when I get back to the mental yeah. side, I'm not a professional yeah. athlete, but I'm taking care of myself. I'm working out four or five times a week, and I just did five games in seven nights in different cities from Montreal to New Jersey to uh, Boston to uh, Long Island, and I just explained to you what my first travel day was like on that trip. Like, physically, it felt pretty good. Mentally, at certain points of it, when I have to be, my, my brain has to be firing on all cylinders after a game to produce something that at least I would be proud of, whether the fans like it or not. There's a reason why sometimes it just might not come out that way as hard as I try, and I'm trying my hardest. So, again, not a professional athlete. These guys are paid to do this. I'm paid to do what I do, but mental fatigue is, is a real thing and definitely saw it. Absolutely physical factor in the Ottawa game. In the Boston game, much more a mental factor in terms of all the missed assignments and the defensive zone coverage, which, you know, I'm not, wouldn't consider the Canadians to be one of the best teams in the league at that, but they are not as bad uh-huh. as they showed in that third period. So, at Boston, by the way, one of the games that I did was Boston, Colorado, yeah. because I, I skipped over Ottawa, Montreal, because it didn't make sense to go from New Jersey to Ottawa to Boston, speaking of like, shitty schedules my god yeah Um, yeah i hear you like boston i wrote about boston that night tony after that game yeah they're they're finding them their best selves right they're playing unbelievable they crushed the winnipeg jets tonight they're they're playing amazing yeah they are playing amazing uh it helped that chifley of course and velarde would order the lineup but i i agree with you i think i read what that was uh the first time in 36 games that a team was able to score four and more than their more than three goals on the uh, Winnipeg Jets or something? Foreign, foreign regulation, yeah. Foreign, yeah, that's... At least foreign regulation. That's a good record. Uh, that's, they're a yeah, good team. That's, uh, they're a they're good team, team and, and they have a great coach. And I'm going to tell you this. I hope Marty St. Louis coaches the Montreal Canadiens the Montreal Canadians as long as possible. I do. Uh, but I, it, the reality is, is that at one point, he won't. All right? Uh, and whether it's going to be four years or eight years or 12 years at one point. I don't know how long his tenure is going to be. I hope it's going to be a long time. I'd be curious to see what his tenure is now, weighed against some of the coaches in the league. There's been so much turnover in the league. He might be in the top 10 in terms of like how long he's been on the Canadians bench. Isn't that crazy? But I I think you know what I'm getting at. I mean, if one day Marty's not going to be here, I I hope Jim Montgomery coaches the Montreal Canadiens one day. Oh, man. He's – I think the thing I respect the most about Jim Montgomery, and I had a really nice chat with him while I was in Boston. Just a, he's a super good guy, and obviously Kent Hughes knows him really well. And Jim, Jim's ability to take over at the point at which the Bruins were at, and know how to keep his hands off the wheel, so to speak, is is a huge part of his success. You know, like that room runs itself, and if you were to come in as a new coach and start injecting yourself into it which is very yeah very tempting to do as a new coach coming into that situation because you know obviously um you know cassidy is an incredible coach too and we saw that in vegas yeah. last year but everybody is a shelf of course. Right. 
like Jim's ability to be hands off is as much a part of his success and to, as it is what he's put his hands on with that team. And uh, to think that he lost uh, Patrice Bergeron and uh, he lost David Krejci and um, and to think that uh, Zdeno Chara was such a big part of that team, that organization for such a long time too, and and uh, he's been gone. It's a couple of years now, and they they, they just it's unbelievable. That well like, oiled machine, man. I wrote about it like. They're a team that you would circle and say, okay, you know, with, with those two centers gone and what, what Sean Monaghan's doing, they should be interested. They don't really have the assets to go after them. They don't have the assets to really go after anybody. But my big conclusion after watching them for a couple of days in Boston, especially what they did to Montreal after that game against Colorado, which they were dominant in, and now this game in Winnipeg, they don't have anything to do anything. They don't need to do anything. Like, what do they need to do to make themselves that much better? Could they use a bruising defenseman? Yes. Uh, could they use a, a Sean Monaghan on their third line? Maybe. Do they need one? No. Like, it's pretty pretty amazing what that team is doing. They could use a centerman. They could use one, but they also, you know, when I was there, playing, when they were playing against Colorado, Matthew Poitra was out of the lineup. Yeah. Uh, they had two centers playing the wing because other guys were playing better at the position, you know, but between Charlie Coyle, who's playing fantastic in the top line, yes. Pavel Zaka yeah. has moved over to the wing and was back at center for one of the games. Uh, Trent Frederick yeah. has played center. Uh, John Beecher is out, but like uh, rotating guys in and out of the lineup and, and onto the wing yeah. because they have depth at the position. They're not, they're not You're worried right. about it. And honestly, I don't think they should be. Like I said, could they use a they would, would he be, a, would, would he be a great dude for their third line potentially yeah. and at times on the middle six uh, or up, up in the top six? Sure. Um, do they need one? I, I would debate it with you uh, in the East. Like I think they can, you know, what we're going to have our answer with anybody. We're going to have our answer in the playoffs. Now, having said that, I mean, with Bergeron and Krejci, uh, they went out right away in the first round last year. So, Who's to say, but uh, you know what? I Look, I, I would take Charlie Coyle on my team, and I'd take Pavel Zak on my team and some of the other guys you talked about as well. If you told me that they were my first and second centermen going into the playoffs, uh, I, I would want an upgrade. But when, listen, we'll see in the playoffs. We don't have the answer right now. You know, oh, yeah. you have your opinion. I have my opinion. We'll only find out the answer in the playoffs. All right, okay. Um, this is what I didn't like on Saturday night. I agree with you, and I this discussion, by the way, of the whole fatigue, not fatigued. You know, if I say they were fatigued playing their seventh game in 11 nights, they were out of gas, I'm going to have 50% of people agree with me, and I'm going to have 50% of people tell me that they're not fatigued, and by the way, and uh, they, 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 they're the best conditioned athletes, and uh, they make millions, and uh, some of them only play 12, 13 minutes a game, and uh, they, they travel by charter, and then they're going to tell me that they actually travel uh, two hours a day to get to work, to go and come back and in traffic. And some of them work manual labor and they work in construction and that's real work. And this isn't all that stuff. So you know what? I'm going to have 50% of people agree with me. I'm going to have 50% of people that don't. I, I believe that fatigue is a thing in the national hockey. League. Having said that, this is what upsets me or this is what I was disappointed in. There's some games where I think you just, you got to get by on sheer heart drive adrenaline even if you're running on fumes the boston bruins and the montreal canadians has been 
arguably the greatest rivalry in hockey or one of the top five on everyone's list, okay? And uh, I know a lot of athletes nowadays don't know that the Canadians and the Bruins played their first series in 1928. And I know a lot of them don't know that these two organizations have played each other 34 times in the playoffs. And I know a lot of them don't know that they've played each other 937 times total. And, uh, and, uh, and I know a lot of uh, these Montreal Canadiens don't know that uh, the Canadians beat the Boston Bruins in the playoffs for even 18 straight playoff series before getting eliminated back in 1988. Having said that, it still bothers me. Like this team, they gave up in the last 15 minutes. Th- that's the way it looked like on television to me. It looked like they gave up. Yeah, listen, if it bothers you, it really bothered them because they said the same thing in the room after the game. And the reason it should really bother them, it should bother them no matter what in any game where their effort was substandard. But it really bothered them and it should bother them because it's not their identity and that's not who they've proven themselves to be. We could say a lot of things about the Canadians. They're they're way lower down on the talent pool uh, versus most of their competition in the National Hockey League. They are in the second phase of building up their team and very early on in the process um, and are still a few pieces away from where they'd like to be to be as competitive as they want to be. But one thing that you haven't been able to say about them under Marty St. Louis is that they haven't put in a full effort, you know, on most nights, if not, you know, close to all of them. That was not the case in Boston. And it's particularly unforgivable in a game where they were down one goal going to the third period in, in the game, whether it was 5-4 or not. And a lot of it was loose hockey between both teams. You know, the Bruins let them hang around for as long as they wanted to. And then when they decided they didn't want them to hang around, it was it was not a hockey game. And It looked that way to me. It looked that way to me. And from the Habs' perspective, they thought made, they gave up an Ottawa to Eric. They, they've made they've made see see the Ottawa game. I see a lot more of the physical, mental fatigue factor. I, that that's one where instead of as an excuse, it's a reason. There was no excuse for what happened in Boston because one thing this team has done really well since the start has uh-huh. they've responded to their bad performances, and it looked like they were doing that in Boston until all of a sudden Boston made it much harder on them and. Yeah, they, they let their guard down. I mean, Sam Montambo, credit to this guy for standing up in the room after and answering questions after a game in which, you know, he allowed nine goals. It was full stand-up, and nobody was going to fully blame him for the loss. He definitely, definitely didn't play his – yeah, eight, eight goals, excuse me. Definitely didn't yeah. play his best game. Uh, after he got drilled in the head with that shot, which he told me he took right in the jaw, and he couldn't he couldn't bite – he couldn't close his mouth. Uh, he, wow. was, he, he was He was shook up. And on the third goal, he got run into before it went in. So it, it was just a confluence of things that he looked like he was laboring on several occasions was, during the game. Off. And it, he was off for the rest of the night, was, and he admitted as much. But he also said, "We should have worked hard to come back in the game, and we didn't." And that's not who the Canadians are. And I'll tell you, there is certainly a budding rivalry, if not a full uh, one in full bloom, with the Ottawa Senators. And I expect that Tuesday night at the Bell Center, we're going to see a response. And and Marty St. Louis is expecting it. And all the guys in that room should be expecting it. Because I'll tell you, I talked to all of them before the Boston game. And they were very excited about playing that game. So whatever happened in that third period, that can't be something that continues. 
Well, there should be a response if we're going to say that the whole fatigue thing is actually a reality and it's a reason because the Ottawa Senators are coming into this game and on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, it's going to be their third game in four nights because they played on Saturday night and they played on Sunday afternoon and they're going to be playing on Tuesday night as well. So now, speaking of Montembeau, why didn't Marty pull him? Earlier? Yeah, so I asked him. I said, did you think about pulling him? He gave up eight, man. Yeah, I said, did you think about pulling him earlier? He said, well, I, you know... I think after the fifth goal, he thought about it, but then said to himself, we're down one goal. It's it's 5-4 now with Gallagher scoring, and we're going into the third period, which was his answer. Um, so he thought, about it. he thought about it. I have it. a problem with that. And then his answer his answer got but, way but better. But at 6-4, I pull him, though. Well, his, his answer got way better and really fueled my column because uh, he said, you know, it was 5-4 at that point, one goal uh, when, when Gallagher, you know, tied the game. He said, but once it got to 8, I felt like it might get to 12. So it was a mercy pulling, you know. It wasn't like a, let's get him yeah. out of here because he's not having his night, um, you know. And, so I buy what he's I'm saying, okay by the way, with that. dude. I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay with letting. If you ask any goalie who's in that situation, even if they they give up a six spot, they want to be in there battling with their teammates, trying to get it back. Uh, the thing is, once Marty realized, and Sam definitely realized it with the goals that were going getting past him, with guys totally unmarked in front of the net, that the guys weren't fighting around him. So there's no point exposing him further to that. Correct. So, it Correct. is what it is. Nobody wants to leave their start. I, I bought everything he said, by the way. Yeah. But once the, the Bruins made it 6-4, and then it's now a two-goal game in the third, and now you've given up six, there's a couple of things you can do, right, to get your team back right. on track. You either shake right. them up to call a timeout, or you make a goalie change. That six-goal six was a... Uh, rink long breakaway for David Pasternak. Like I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. They needed they needed a wake up call like right then and there. Correct. Um, but yeah, I mean no no coach wants to expose their goalie to that. Yeah. It's funny. I hear you. It's ironic we're talking about that because of where I was last yeah. night and what I saw. But yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I wasn't pulling him because he gave up a breakaway goal to Pasternak. I was pulling him because it's 6-4, it's a two-goal lead, it's the third period, and you want a wake-up call. And you don't want six to get to ten. All right. You know, you know what I meant, uh, though, right? You know yes, I, I know exactly no, what you no, meant. No course, coach wants to see that unless, you know, we're okay. back in 1995. Uh, George Lorac should be joining us in five minutes' time, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's been late before. But it's okay. He's like uh, he's much heavier than I am and a lot stronger, so I'm not going to say. Well, I get to say hi to George. I haven't uh, seen yeah, George. I, I, I'd lo- I'd love for you to be able to say hi to George. All right, so we'll we'll make we'll make sure that happens. Talk to me about Patrick Waugh. All right, we're there. Um, Patrick Waugh. There's a lot of people that are watching right now on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter Live. And I thank you all for watching. I love you. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are watching right now that have wanted Patrick Watt to work for the Montreal Canadiens for a very, very long time. They wanted him either as a coach, they wanted him as a general manager, they wanted him to whatever, to enter this organization, and it never happened. And there's a lot of people that are watching that probably thought that Patrick Watt would never get another opportunity again in the National Hockey League. And there are some that are watching that thought that if he was going to get an opportunity in the National Hockey League, maybe it was going to be with an eventual return of the Quebec Nordiques if that's going to happen. Or maybe uh, it, it was going to happen in Ottawa because of Michael Landlauer and because of Landlauer saying that, you know, he feels that the Francophones have somewhat been neg- were neglected by the Senators organization and the, the Gatineau region, and he wants to revamp all of that and, and get them. Some people probably thought he was going there. 
I don't think anyone thought he was going to the Islanders. Uh, so how surprised were you when you heard Patrick Waugh is the new head coach of the New York Islanders? I was shocked and super happy for Patrick Waugh, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, I got to say, like, I haven't enjoyed writing about a subject the way I did last night in a long time. Um, oh, yeah. Eh? Because, and, and, you know, I described my travel into New Jersey at the beginning of the week, and I was on my way home to Montreal. Uh, when Hua got hired on Saturday night and said, uh, okay, I'm canceling that flight to Montreal and I'm going to New York. And I booked a train ride. And on the train, I got to watch the videos coming out from the morning skate. And I saw the press conference. And I got to tell you, man, like, one of the big reasons, well, one of the big reasons, we all know the reason Patrick Hua didn't have a job until two days ago in the NHL and it took seven years to get there because every person in a hiring position was looking at him and saying, is he going to want my job? Does he want control of everything? He seems like that's his reputation. That's who he is. Yeah. And the thing that kept coming back to me in my head as I was riding the train on my way to Long Island is not only is he coming back, he's going to work for Lou Lamorello. Like he's going to work yeah. For a guy who's the boss of bosses, the guy who we refer to as the godfather in hockey. Uh, yeah, he's the godfather. And it really undoes that narrative that Patrick needs to be in control of everything. And seeing Patrick show up on his first day on the job with a clean shaven face. And I had this conversation with an executive in the rink um, who said, that's really interesting. And he was being serious. Because it is really interesting. Because if you think about that, that, that very benign act, this just shaving his face because that's the Lou Lamorella way. It is symbolic. It is a submission. It is a submission from Patrick Waugh that he is going to fall in line and do his role and not try to do everybody else's. And that's what kept him out of a job for this long. And I think let's not be mistaken. Patrick Waugh was hired for his passion, his energy. You know, I think about Lane Lambert coaching the Islanders and he did a, yeah. a reasonable job with a roster that I think has some flaws in it for sure, especially when you look at the trends in play. But like for a team that's been categorized as boring, like Lane Lambert is literally oatmeal. Like just he's the opposite of Patrick Waugh, who is just fire. He's he's a delicious meal, this guy. He's 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 got so much energy and it's boundless, and that's why he was hired. He has not changed who he is, and that is why he was hired for his passion. But the reason yeah. he was given the job is because he is not mm -hmm. this control freak that everybody has made him out to be, that he has matured, he has learned from his past. He said he regretted some of the things he did as a young coach, that he is excited to learn from Lou Lamorello, excited to learn from Jacques Lemaire. And the hockey world should be so excited and ebullient to see this guy yeah. being on the bench. It was amazing to watch him last night. And yeah. sure enough, they win, you know, Bo, Bo Horvat saying it felt like he was playing the game with us. Um, it was just such an exciting story to cover. And the fact that he's on his way to Montreal in a couple of days is even more exciting. It's incredible, Lula Morello, the amount of coaches that he went to get from the Montreal Canadiens organization. He started with Jacques Lemaire. Um, after that, he went to uh, Larry Robinson. Uh, Larry Robinson, he went to Pat Burns. Uh, Pat Burns, he went to Claude Julien. Um, 
I, and I don't even know if it's in the same in, in that exact order. Uh, and uh, and of course, uh, now with uh, now with uh, Patrick Waugh. I mean, he's just he went to get a, a, a lot of coaches that were in the Montreal Canadiens organization, either as players, executives, part of management, or actually coached the Montreal Canadiens. You know what else, Tony? And brought them to Jersey, and now he's brought Patrick Waugh uh, to Long Island. You know what? You know what else, Tony? Like it would be so easy to be cynical and just say Patrick hasn't changed at all, and this is who Patrick is, and he's always going to be that guy. And I said, you have to really think about what this guy has been through. He was a good coach at this level. He goes back to Quebec. He wins the Memorial Cup. He reinvests himself. He's and he said it himself. I, I left Colorado thinking the phone would ring and seven years went by and it didn't ring. You don't think that humble somebody? You don't think even time. the guy with the biggest ego in the world wouldn't be humbled by that? I um, would think so. And I, You know, just, at one point, Eric, I said I, he hasn't changed up until now. He's not going to change. But I have to – like, Patrick Waugh, I was all for the second chance after – and this only came after I saw the job that he did with the Quebec Ramparts. Because before that, I was saying, I wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't touch him. Canadians fans, forget about it. I would not touch him. He would want to be the coach, the assistant coach, the GM, the assistant GM, the water boy, the uh, the, uh, the, the video boy. coach. The, 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 he would want to be everything, right? I always said that. And then he won me over with the job that he did with the Ramparts because every single player um, basically – would would put their teeth in front of a puck for him. Every single player would sacrifice their body for him. He had everyone buy into the whole team concept thing. He's a winner. And, and he's the, a way winner. They played, he the way they played was amazing. Yeah, and he proved it again last night you by winning his first game on a team. That defensive stats were absolutely terrible before last night. And they were they weren't great in the game, but honestly, like yeah, that, that he has time to work on, and he believe he has a plan and he has a structure, and he sold that to Lou Amarillo. But with to me, what the coolest thing about this and the, the biggest reason why I think he'll succeed, and this is what I wrote about last night, is that he has adapted, he has been humbled, he has matured, but he hasn't lost himself in all that. And and don't forget why he was hired. He was hired for that passion. He was hired to be the antithesis to the oatmeal that Lane Lambert was bringing to the New York Islanders. And things are about to get a lot more exciting there. And I don't know about you, like the NHL, I'm sure of this is a much more exciting place with Patrick Waugh in it. It's just what a huge story. And uh, again, I, I, these are the, everyone asks us, you know, what we love about our jobs. There is nothing more enjoyable about this job than covering a story like that, that parachuting into New York, like yesterday and, and getting to, do yeah. that. and I was exhausted, but it was fun, man. It was so much. All fun. right. So, um, talk to us about. We know what happened. It comes in. They win by a score of uh, three to two in overtime on a breakaway goal by Bor Hervat. His goalie stands on his head. Uh, but um, what were you? Uh, who were you able to speak with while you were there? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to Horvat. I spoke to some executives who were in attendance to the game. There was a couple of extra scouts that I think came in just to see like what what was going to happen there. Uh, I, I think you know one of the best moments of the night was just after the game, just seeing the way Patrick was nervous on the bench and expending his energy and like from the press box, which is way far away from that bench, you could hear Patrick. You could wow. actually hear him in the rink. 
Um, it was crazy. I don't think I've ever experienced that before. I could hear the coach from all the way across and, and up in the sky. Um, and I asked him after the game, I said, like, just simple question. Like, how much do you love this? And he said, I, I, I loved it. Like, I, I, I could be on a, on a golf course right now, but, like, this is where I feel alive. And, like, it was, was so was there Was there a buzz in the building because Patrick oh, yeah. Wall was behind the bet? Yeah, big as buzz, the, yeah. As soon as the puck dropped, people in the stands were cheering, Patrick Wall. Pat, like, wow. It was, I mean, That's it was amazing. It was amazing. Great, it was great to watch. And like, honestly, the Islanders gave up six odd man rushes in the first two minutes of the game, and Ilya Sorokin just stood on his head. This guy is wow, unbelievable. No, but no, he's they, one they of the create, best goalies in the league. Yeah, they, they created a lot of chances themselves, and like they won the game on pure heart with a comeback effort in the third period. And like, I don't know if I was a player on that bench with that energy yeah. in me. I, I'd be I'd be pretty pumped up. One of the interesting things was talking I'm, to Horvat. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go on. Go ahead. Just, just talking to Horvat, talking to Pajot, talking to Matt Martin, talking about some of the veterans. You know, I was asking them one specific question. Was like the tactical elements that he discussed with you, which obviously he hasn't set out his whole blueprint of how he's going to change things in New York. Of course not. But what he immediately wanted to attack. Were you sitting there, kind of nodding and saying, "Yes, like this is this is what we need to do." And all of them said yes. And one of the things I asked Pajot was like, you know, you've been in the league for a while. Like, how long do you think it'll take to make the changes that he wants to make? Because it's we're talking about a pretty different way of playing. And and they're about to go through a very different – like Patrick himself saying after the game, I think our defensemen are so used to uh, protecting the house that they're scared to move from the front of the net in our own zone. And, like, I want to break that and I want to change that. And it's going to take time. And it takes time to change muscle memory. But Pajot said, you know, you look around this room, there's a lot of guys in here, a lot of good veterans, a lot of guys who have been around for a long time, and that probably makes it easier to make the tactical changes because we can follow and we can lead. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I say this. I think Patrick will be successful. I think he'll be more successful than most coaches would be in his shoes coming in there trying to turn that team around. He's not in control of the roster, and he can't undo – and completely turn around some very disturbing trends in terms of the way that team has yeah. gone recently. But I don't think anybody could do better with it than he will. And in the process, he'll be rehabilitating an image that really took a hit with the way he left Colorado. And I think that started Big time. With, with not only what he said, but what was so painfully obvious to me that, that he actually was, in fact, humbled and not just playing to the crowd with what he said. Really happy that he got this second chance, and you know what? Good for you, Lamorello, Lou Lamorello, for having the the, the 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 security, the confidence to say, you know what? I'm not scared of this guy. You know what? Well, I'm of, all people, of all people, and, of all people, yeah. to, to hire him, that it's but Lou all, is really yeah, interesting. Like, but with all due respect to the Islanders, though, I have to tell you, uh, I I would have I would have loved Patrick in Ottawa. It just would have made that rivalry so much better. And if it wasn't going to be Ottawa. Boston, but I mean, Boston's not looking for a coach, but Ottawa, you would think that, you know, he would have been great to be the next guy yeah. uh, after Jacques Martin. We'll, we'll, see, they, yeah, we'll see who they bring in in the end here because. Uh, yeah. They're going to bring in uh, Brube. Maybe. Maybe Alfredson's on the bench for a reason. I don't know. Don't know. He'll, listen, uh, I, Marty Craig Brube, by the way, game, so. saw Craig Brube on this trip also. He's actually doing some scouting for St. Louis. Yeah, and, that um, I know. That I know, yeah. He's a good coach. From a from his style to the way yeah. the way he does coach, though, I don't know how different he is from from DJ Smith, 
Um, albeit he's obviously a different voice, and sometimes that makes all the difference. The Jacques Martin, winner, like, yeah. I have a lot of respect for Jacques Martin, but I do think like this narrative that's evolved that he is this incredible defensive tactician is a little overblown. Um, and again, he took over a team that was completely lost in its own zone, and like he could be the best coach, like you'd be Scotty Bowman, and like I don't think he's fixing that overnight. But you know, when Jacques Martin was in Montreal, he spent the entire time talking about what wins games, and it was special teams and goaltending. And he's a big believer in the Ken Hitchcock style school, five guys in the picture at all times. But there's a big difference between having those tactics and employing them and teaching them and really being able to communicate them to this generation of player, which as though he's been around, he, although he's been around them in an assistant coach capacity, he, it's been a long time since he was in that role. And like, I, I think that's why we haven't seen an immediate turnaround with, with you Otto. said, uh, you said you wanted to say hello to George Larac. I just been uh, told sure. he's here. Well, let's oh. bring him on. All right. There he is. Wow. Oh, my God. What in the world is going on here, man? Not just dropping the gloves. He's dropping the shirt. Oh, man. I mean, I, yeah, I was sleeping, Tony. I'm naked. So I'll go back to bed after. <laughs> Tony, it's better than you in the hot tub, man. You're in Seattle. What are you doing in Seattle? Uh, I did some community event uh, in, in the city with the fans and stuff. It was awesome. Okay. Did a lot of work with some kids. Uh, and uh, a lot of work with the Kraken, too. I was talking to the players, my inclusion uh, job that I do, talking about diversity with all the players in the room. And uh, I talked to the staff, too, Ron Francis. I talked to pretty much everyone. It's a class act organization. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, that rank. Did you know that Seattle has the most s- sustainable rank in the world? Did you know that? It's, it's called it's the Climate Arena. Yeah, it's Climate unbelievable. Arena, yeah. It's unbelievable. Everything is electric. No gas. Uh, neutral carbon free it's unbelievable this rink tony it's amazing yeah. um you That's know they, they showed me around and the staff and everything everything they do is class act it's amazing i love i, I love did my, my uh, did my buddy mitch garber know that you're there of course he's a friend of mine i've, I've been texting him since i've been there so uh, yeah i ah, told him yes. how good this team is and 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 awesome the the organization everything the everything the facility uh the like Everything that they do is unbelievable. Like the operation that they do, uh, the, the the place they're taking in a community is just awesome. Uh, it's a place that you have to visit one day. George, have you seen the uh, sun there? Amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of rains. Yeah, uh, I was I was lucky one day to have the sun, but uh, in a in a winter it's raining a lot. It's gray a lot. Uh, I was there for four know. days for the board of governors meeting, and it, yeah. it rained from the minute I got there to the minute I left. It yeah, was, there's a lot. There's a lot of rain. You got to have an umbrella when you're here. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Where's the pillow? It's uh, uh, the pillow's on the bed. But if I, you don't want me to get up to go get it. <laughs> the pillow's on the go. Get up. Go get it. No. <laughs> Hey, so are you happy now? I don't want to traumatize your listeners if I if I get up. Uh, are, are you happy now or what? You've been you've been crying, you've been screaming. They sent Jack guy down to Laval. They wanted to control him. They wanted to tame him. They wanted to relax him. They 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 they, they can't believe they did this. He's the one guy who should have stayed up. He's never going to be back. Him and the Montreal Canadiens. It's over. They're going to trade him. He's done. Ba ba ba. Pa pa. Are you happy now? You know, Tony, no, I'm not. And I'll tell you why, okay? Whoa! Jack High, I, I'll explain to you why. 
Jack I should have never been sent down. When you're hurt and, uh, you know, you, you have to be given a chance when you get back, when you're hurt before you send a guy down. All these things about learning how to play and this and that, that's bullshit. The way that he played and the dimension that he brings to this team, nobody else on that team could bring that dimension. You send him down because you say he needs to learn how to play hockey. On a team that was rebuilding, he was plus one. He was not minus 15 when he was up there. So he was not a bad defenseman. So they sent him down. You know what's funny though, Tony? When they're sending him down, the majority of the team in the NHL were calling the Montreal Canadiens to acquire him. Because they're like, if they don't think he's good enough to play in the lineup now, teams that were way better than us were willing to trade for him right now. Not to send him in minors, to have him to play in the NHL now. So what's been going on, Tony, in the last couple of weeks is that the longest, the most time that he spent in the minors, team are putting pressure on the Canadian. They're like, listen, if you don't want this guy, we'll take him. But in the NHL, now, they're not calling him because they want him in the lineup to be playing or whatever. There's all the pressure and all the teams that want him. So at the end of the day, they have to figure it out. Do we no, want no, him no, in the George, lineup no, every game? No, or, or we want to get rid of him? But Tony, it's true. Because if they George. don't want him, another team is no. going to take him. Hold on a second. George, listen to me carefully. Love your opinion, by the way. Here's my opinion. They they lost a lot of battles in Ottawa on Thursday. Um, Pozzetto was alone. That's a team that carries a lot of guys that can take care of themselves. That's a team that if Brady Kachuk doesn't see somebody on the other side, he could start taking liberties. They They gave up in the third. They gave up early on in the third in Boston. The team needs um, the team needs uh, something to pick them up right now. Barron has not been playing well, and I would also say they've been preparing for this for a while. I think, and that's why you saw Jordan Harris playing right D. That's why you saw Caden Gooley playing right D. I think they had a feeling that Barron was probably going down. And that Jack guy was going to come into the lineup, who, of course, is a left-handed defenseman. Eric, I'd love to have your take on this before we go back to George here. Well, I'll give you some info. First of all, when they sent Arbor down, it wasn't with the idea that he'll come up when he's ready to come up. It was with the idea that this is going to be a limited stint, but it's going to be a stint, that they were going to give him a few weeks. Look, do they think that he was you know, playing so badly that he absolutely needed a correction phase in the AHL? No. Do they think he could have used the time to work on his defensive game? Yes. Uh, do they want to give him up to another team? No. Have they been fielding calls like George said? Absolutely, because there's a lot of teams in the NHL that see Arbor Jacki as a potential top four defenseman, and I agree with them. I agree. If you look at all those guys who are guys that have already established the floor of being a 5-6 in the NHL, and Arbor has done that, uh, I would circle his name as the guy outside of Caden Gooley that could really emerge as a top as a top uh, four defenseman. So every team in the league sees that, and a lot of teams would kill to have him. And I'll tell you right now, just speaking with some some sources, that the Canadians don't want to trade this player, and have told teams they don't want to trade him. Um, they have the luxury of doing this. I understand George's perspective, and it's an informed perspective. He's a former player in this league, and he knows what it is to be on the other side of this from a mental aspect and physical aspect. But at the same time, I don't think this damaged Arbor. 
I think this probably turned him into a stronger professional and a better player. And I think that's the player we're going to see when he comes back up. I get it your helped theory. Logan Mayu a lot too. It helped Logan Mayu a lot too. I get your theory. Yeah, he's in a different spot, but I get your theory about the timing of bringing him back up. But I, I would tell you that if it wasn't now, it was going to be pretty soon anyways. But but but, but think about it, guys, though. And, and understand the job that what he was doing. He's doing the toughest job in the NHL right now. He's playing with a team that is rebuilding. He's fighting, defending his teammates. He's there for everyone. You don't send a guy that has that dimension to your team down to the minors. He's fighting for all his teammates. We've never had a guy like that. And you send him down to say he has to work on his game. He should never be in competition with the other Ds that are out there because they can't do what he does. But they do you think it's going to make him does. worse? George, do you think it's going to make him worse? No, but, but, make him worse. But, but Eric, but think about it, Tony. Uh, Eric, think about it. Think about that point, okay? Let's look at what the Canadian has done, okay? They sent him down because we say he needs to work on his game, okay? Uh-huh. Why does the team that are better than Montreal Canadian, while they did that, why were they ready with a better team on paper to take him right now and he was not going to go in the minors. He was go in the lineup right now. Can Why? I answer? Or team better than us. Because they probably, yeah. don't have, they probably don't have the depth the Canadians have on defense. No, the I would have a lot of depth depth way. They, they could insulate him better, number one. And number two, because they believe that, that he would be fine with them. But I'll tell you something, George. For the first year that Arbor was in this lineup, that's the exact reason he never saw the AHL. All that stuff you're talking about, they couldn't afford to push him away for, based on what he was doing. But they still wanted him to be the best version of himself. And whether or not he liked it, whether or not you like it, I think he's going to be a better version of himself when he comes back up because of this experience. No, he will be better, but they should never do that again, ever. Because for his confidence, it's not the best thing. Put yourself in the position of a guy that fights, that does everything he can to be in this lineup, plays a full year in the NHL, he goes in the minors, Having guys going after him to make a name from themselves, they yeah. got a chance to getting hurt. You don't want that. If you get certain minors, you can get him back up. You don't want that. Like you don't. This guy should be in Montreal every game. If you don't want him, trade him. But if he's there, he's not there to be a seven, a six, or seven defenseman. He has to play every night. And the other D, let them fight together because they they look more alike. But the dimension that he brings. Is yeah. a dimension that nobody in that nobody in Montreal has, and he's one of the best in the league to do what he to do what he does, and the confidence he brings to this team is so important. And George, I'll say this. Will, yeah, I'll say this. That night that he fought Janot uh, versus Tampa, and uh, it, it wasn't his best fight. Probably didn't go the way he would have wanted to. And before the end of the game, he wanted to get back at him. And everyone remembers that, right? Gave him a nice shot and he got penalized. I think he got a double minor. And the Canadians were were down four nothing in that game. They tried to they made it four two at one point. And then he ended up in the box. You heard from St. Louis at the end of the game. He didn't like that. And he called, he called him out. He basically said, I didn't like that. I don't remember what he said, but he, he, you know, he, he talked about it as a bad penalty. And you got the feeling that he thought that Jack I was thinking more of himself in that situation Tony, than the Tony, team. Tony, listen. I'm, I'm not justifying what St. Louis said, I by know, the way. I'm saying I think it hurt him that night. I think it Tony, hurt him. Okay, Tony, listen. Okay, I'll ask you, Eric and Tony. When is the last time the Montreal Canadian had a player that was the aggressor and not the responder? When? When was the last time? Tell me. Shane Corson? George Larocque. 
No, but think about it. You can't punish a guy for being too aggressive. You can't punish a guy because he wants to go and fight somebody again. Yes, it's going to happen sometimes. That's the dimension that he brings. Martin St. Louis should understand that. Martin St. Louis is a skilled guy, but he's never fought in his career. He has to understand that Jack I, with his role, sometimes, yes, he'll be taking penalties. And you know what? If he's going to take penalties, what's better to take doing it in the year that you know Montreal is not going to be in the playoff? He's established himself right now. So it's okay. So sometimes they'll get aggressiveness penalties. They're not lazy penalties. They're not like lazy for checking. No, but in this particular case, aggressive penalties. In this particular case, and yes, it was a case of aggression, but it was him trying to even a, a score a personal score. And what Marty always talks about is doing things that take care of the team first. And he's going against the culture that he's trying to establish. And yes, this might be a down year for the Canadians, and nothing really matters. But when you're trying to establish a culture of making sure you take care of the team before you take care of yourself. That is where that came into play, and that's why he said what he said. Should he have said it publicly? That's debatable. But you know what? The but Eric, ads- but Eric, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this, then George is a lot more qualified to, to to actually go down this route. But I'm gonna say this based on what I know and the players I've talked to and, and the role that people like Arbor have and people like George had and so many other good ones that 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 had that role, these guys do so many things for the team. Absolutely. And end up fighting other guys when their knuckles are broken and end up fighting other guys when they're probably not feeling it or they're hurt or they're down or they're this or they're that. They, they put the team ahead of themselves all the time. That Absolutely. if they're going to put themselves ahead of the team just once, you Tony, should close your eyes okay, if you're Tony, the coach. First of all, Tony, you guys are so wrong and Marty's so wrong. If you said that what he did is taking him uh, above the team, that's not it. When you're into that role, and you're the gladiator, you got to show everyone that if you slipped once, you're going again. When when Ryan Reeves slipped against Jack High in Toronto, you know how bad he looked when he had the opportunity to go against Jack High again? It didn't. The media yeah. after the game went after Ryan Reeves. They're like, what happened? What happened? When did you go after him again? And he said, he jumped me. He knows where to find me. Uh, you were on the ice with him. When did you go again? You know, because it was in his head. Jack, I want to happen with Janati slip. He wanted to go again. That's not putting the team before him, him above the team. It's his job. Ask any player in his dressing room how they feel when Jack is in lineup. How, more, how much more confident they are. Ask Cofield. He said publicly that he makes them feel bigger and, and you know, b- bigger and taller when he's in the lineup. They all know his contribution. He's well-liked by everyone. They want him in the lineup. You know, it was not their decision. So sometimes when you do this job, that you guys might not understand because you guys are calling this job dinosaur and you don't want tough guys and you want guys to play ballet and no hitting game anymore. You guys want to see the ice capade on the ice. I understand that. But you know what? Jack is not an ice capade guy. He brings dimension to this team that we need. He brings toughness to this team that we need. And when he drops the glove, everybody in Bell Center is standing up on their feet, clapping and yelling and screaming. We understand you guys that. don't we like that. that. You guys don't understand yeah. because you're saying he put his he put himself above the team. That's his job. He slipped once. He wants to go again. Don't give him shit because of that. Good for him to go after him again. He gets a penalty again. Good. Next time, Janot's going to know that next time he has to be careful because the I'm, I'm going to con- I'm going to concede. You fought the fight. You fought the fight really well, and you made a very good argument. Uh, I'm going to argue with you on one thing that you said a little earlier, though. 
I'm I'll not going to say anything because I'm worried he's going to get up and flash us. I, I, <laughs> you talked about Jack Eye's confidence and what what the Canadians might have done to it with him going down. I don't think they ever sent him down without knowing. Like you spent time with Jack Eye. You have spent time with this guy. This guy doesn't have a confidence issue, and I don't think anything the Canadians would have done would have dented it to the degree that it would hurt him and, and not make him come back even stronger. That's one thing about this player that I think he could handle what happened to him here. And I, I think, and you could tell me if you disagree, no matter what role you play in the, in the NHL, the experience of going down to the AHL is humbling and as difficult as it can be to process, especially for a guy who really stands up for the team like Jack Guy does. It doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. Like, well, I, I think it will make him stronger. Well, it, he will be better, but they called him up. You remember, at, at one point, I didn't even know if that was going to happen. I so did. The fact did. that they... Just yeah, telling you, information-wise, I knew that he was not going to be there for the rest of the season, that he was coming back, and that it was short-term. That is what somebody told me within the organization. Yeah. You know, I was hoping that it was not I knew more he than was coming back for the game on January 23rd. Go ahead. I, I was hoping that it was not more than a week. But the longest that it, that it was, I didn't like it. I saw people running him and the miners going after him, wanted to make an name for themselves. So the fact that they call him in now, I, he's going to play with a chip in his shoulder knowing that, you know what, I could be sent down. So he'll bring his level up for sure because he doesn't want that to happen. So you're right about the fact that it is a humbling experience. He's not going to want to be, be back there in Laval again. But, you know, and I don't think it's going to happen because he will be better now for sure. But... I'm not one of these guys that I'm going to say that before he was hurt, that he was playing bad. I don't think he deserved the emotion. I don't think they thought that either. I don't think they thought he was playing bad. I just think they thought they could turn him into the type of player that everybody sees he could be. I think they believe the same thing that I do, that he could be, out of all of those guys, Harris, Barron, whoever, he's the guy who could be a top four defenseman on this team. But you yeah. got to turn him into that. you got to you got to be able to do that. And George, offensive blue line in. This guy is awesome. He's yeah. offensively, he's great. Challenging, physical, standing up for his teammates and playing tough, fantastic. What's the two things he needed to work on the most? His, his positioning, his stick positioning, and defensive play. It's not like he's a perfect player. He's People forget he's 22 years old. Like an undrafted guy uh, who, who was signed yeah. to this team who like he yeah. still needs to become a better player. Okay, okay but Eric, Eric, okay, okay. I love what you just said there. So I have a little curve for you. You just said he's 22 years old. It's not like he gets to learn. Okay, right. So you're saying be patient with him, right? Uh, sure. We're, we're patient with Slav. Sure. Why couldn't we be why, – why, we're patient with Slav when for, the, for a part of the, 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 the season we thought he should be in the minors. They were patient with him, and now he's playing good. Yeah. Why? Why aren't we patient with Jaka and kept him in in, in Montreal like we did with with Slavkowski? I, I think I think they the see a different time, talent the, level for Slav. I think they see a different talent level for Slavkowski. Okay. Still, and they thought still, he would be better Eric off said, with his weaknesses to to work Eric, in Montreal and with Jaka's weaknesses to work in Laval. Eric said, "Be patient yeah. with him," and okay, we're patient with Slav. Eric, why I think, don't we patient with Jaka in Montreal? I don't think it's. I think you're you're positioning it as a lack of patience that they sent him down, and I don't think it's about that. I think it's about giving him an opportunity to work on something specific at a level that will enable him to do that. We, when we're talking about Slaff, I think the biggest argument, and I've been very consistent on this, to send Slaff to the AHL when it was such a hot button topic was to increase his confidence. 
Um, if you wanted to teach him how to play faster, he wasn't going to be able to do that at the AHL level. They had different things to work on, George. Like, I, I you're making a good point. You're connecting two dots, and you make good points. You made a great point about Jack Eye not being selfish and in, in looking after himself. But at the same time, like, I don't view it as, oh, they sent him down because they're impatient with his game and they, they don't think it's up to snuff. I think they sent him down because they look at this player and say, this guy is going to be a top four defenseman and we need to do what we think will enable him to get there inevitably because we don't want him playing on our third pair. We want him playing on our second pair. And right now, the way he's playing defensively, we can't play him on our second pair. You're also not going to make the same. You're also not going to make the same decisions, guys, in regards to when one guy is a first pick overall. That's uh, and another guy is an yeah. undrafted NHL depth defenseman. Okay, why? Because it's a different scale. If if, if if life were fair, George, <laughs> you're right. There would be no there would there would be no difference. But unfortunately, if politics, life were fair, George politics, would be right now. Yeah. Politics, politics in hockey. For sure. You you draft the guy first overall in Montreal. You know you're you're pretty careful about how you handle it, guys. Um, yeah. This this has been a lot of fun. All right, before we say goodnight, George. If you're Arbor Jack guy, or if or if or if you would pick or if Arbor would pick up the phone and give you a call, and try and go through what tomorrow night's game is going to look like, and I think the Canadians have to be a little bit upset that they were a little bit manhandled in Ottawa, and that's probably one of the reasons for his recall too yeah what would be... the crap out of Castlenick, by the way yeah he, he, he did he did yeah well, and i really like that marty played him in the next game against boston if he had pulled him yeah. out with josh anderson coming in that really would have been the wrong message yeah. yeah no you're right about that so george what advice could you give jack guy who would say hey you know what george i'm i'm, I'm getting called back up to the show i you know what? I'm a little bit nervous. I don't want to take a bad penalty again. I don't. I don't want to. And and he, he might be. You you know he might be caught in that that whole adrenaline Actually, thing going. That so how does he handle it? Okay, I'm crossing my finger, Tony, that somebody has talked to Martin Saint Louis, and Martin Saint Louis. If nobody has talked to you, I'm talking to you right now. Albert Jackai brings a dimension to this team that you can't tone down. If Martin St. Louis goes to Jack I and say, play hockey, we need you to play hockey, uh, don't take any penalties, what's going to happen? You're going to Jack I that's going to be less physical, less intimidating, and then if he doesn't bring that dimension, he's not as, as, as imposing as he could be. I don't know what Martin St. Louis is going to say to him. Because, again, this game tomorrow, as we know, we need him to be physical, to be a force. He will take like aggressive penalties sometimes. That's if Martin saying we let him. I don't know what he's going to tell him because I have no idea what we're going to see tomorrow. Are we going to see a guy that was aggressive like he was before, aggressive, taking like no prisoner and, and pushing, hitting guys and, and maybe taking a penalties because of aggressiveness? Are we going to be a guy that's going to be tentative because the coach is going to talk to him that I say, don't take any stupid penalties and he's going to be careful. If he's like that, it's going to change his game, and he's not going to be as effective. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. Either Marty St. Louis says nothing to him at all because he knows he doesn't need to, or he says, go be you, buddy. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see the Arbor Jack guy you expect to see tomorrow. I'll make that prediction right now. Whether it leads him to making a bunch of mistakes because he tries to do too much, if it happens, it happens. But I don't think he's going to hold back at all. 
I think he's yeah. going to be exactly who I, he I hope you're right that he says, go be you. I hope you're right. I think he will. And, so, and, and I'll, and I'll say this, Martin. Eric. You know, I'll say this, Eric. Even though we all know they're in a rebuild, and there's not too many people that have the Montreal Canadiens making the playoffs this year, because of the way the Canadians played, and I think gave up in the third in Ottawa, and played and I think gave up in the third in Boston, that whole culture that you talk about and that they, they want to bring here, and this is this is a big game for them. Yeah, it's being night. tested. This being is a tested. big game for them tomorrow night. It's the Ottawa Senators. You know, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's there, there's there's rivalries there with with some of their players. It, it's uh, the the proximity and um, Matt Arbor looked you know, good against those Belleville guys, though. I'm telling they, you, they like, were they, they, they were they were laughing at the Canadians players on Thursday night pretty good. And, and they, you could tell like the Canadians players, like were really, really frustrated. I mean, I, I have to see something tomorrow. Like I really have to see something. I have to, you know, well, it's just well, one of those games where yeah. it's on the calendar. You gotta, you gotta see something. Well, no, tomorrow, no, we need a response. Not, no, yeah, but see, see how you're talking now, Tony, how many games, uh, things like this has happened. Now you're talking about those last two, but I remember a couple couple weeks ago, game against Buffalo, same thing happened. You know, teams are taking liberties when he's not there, and it's not well, just that these was two a, games. That wasn't that wasn't a couple of weeks ago, George. That yeah, was like yes, a, a, Tony, over a month ago, and yes, it's, and it's Tony. Whatever it was, it was but, in his absence. But uh, yes, but Tony yeah. and Tony, you know what? We could talk about yeah. and Eric. We could talk. There's many games we could talk about liberties that's been taken because he wasn't there. George, we all live in Montreal, and I got to tell you, man, I have a ton of friends who have been texting me over the last number of weeks saying, "We need Jack Eye. We need Jack Eye. We need Jack." So, I, I'm, I'm very confident in this prediction. You are going to see the Arbor Jack Eye you expect to see tomorrow. Maybe he'll yeah. be even a little bit better. Yeah, we can't wait to tune in. I, I'm excited George. to see that. You want us? You want to give us a goodbye here? Is there anything you want to do with the camera before we say goodbye? Okay, do you want me to stand up? No, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the locker room enough. <laughs> no, I'm good. Hey guys, and, uh, you asked me to. I'm not that crazy. I would. No, I no, no. No, no, no. I, I, you know what? I've already traumatized in some way, shape, or form. I don't want to be scared for the rest of my life. You know what, Tony? I'll finish it with this. It takes years to build an empire and one stupid decision to shatter it. If I get up, I shatter it, and I'm a cancel culture all over the place, so I'm not going to get up. (laughs) George, when are you coming back from Seattle? I hope you get the, I hope you get a little smart guy. guy. Pretty smart guy. I'm actually, I'm actually, tomorrow I'm going to Minnesota because on Wednesday I'm talking to the wild. Oh really? Oh, winter come with you? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I got uh, so many Seattle Seahawks coding winter coats and stuff. So tell their, I'm all uh, good. Tell, tell their goalie that he's in my pool. If he wants to pitch like uh, five or six straight shutouts, I'd be very, very grateful. Okay, I will. <laughs> awesome. Hey, who's winning the Super Bowl? I know oh, there's four man, teams I, left there, but no, uh, who do you it's, have? It's, Baltimore it's, or Kansas yeah, City? The, the, the who do you have? Detroit or San the, Francisco? The, like the Ravens. Forget it. The way they beat Houston, the Ravens are too good. I hate Lamar Jackson, but I have to give it to him. His team defensively, they're too well, good. You healthy. Hate him. Why? Why? Why would you hate him for? He's the most exciting player in football. Because he's cocky. I, I, I like guys that are humble. The way he portrayed himself in the media and stuff, I don't like that. He's too okay. he's too arrogant, but I don't see all the Chiefs might be able to, I to, got the to Chiefs. play with them. 
You got the yeah, Chiefs? Chiefs. I got yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I like you know I like Mahomes, but the Swifties, I'm sick of it. Now, now, now they're saying the Chiefs are winning because of the Swifties, because of Taylor Swift, not because of Mahomes and the team. Taylor Swift is making them win. I'm sick of it. So that has to end too. So uh, I got the Ravens over the Chiefs. Uh, the other the other games, it depends. If Debo's playing, uh, the Lions are done. And if Debo's not playing, the Lions are going to win. It all depends on Debo because the 49ers Debo offensively. Yeah. yeah, because without without him offensively, they're not the same team. Because no, they're not just the same does, team. Debo just just little pass, doesn't do big pass. And Debo and McCaffrey's pick up all the yards. You get three, 300 yards by little doing little pass and stuff to those two players. So it depends if he's playing or not. But, and Debo uh, can catch, and Debo can run. He's uh, yeah. he's a uh, he's a pretty but dangerous Ra- player. But, right the Ra- but the Ravens in healthy, I don't know how. Like they're they're unbeatable this year if they're healthy. Gentlemen, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Eric Engels of Sportsnet, George Larac of BPM Spot. Uh, we'll talk to you soon tomorrow night. Awesome. It's the Montreal Canadiens versus uh, the Ottawa Senators. Because of course, for those of you who missed it earlier this morning, Justin Barron was uh, sent down to the Laval Rocket. And uh, Mitchell Stevens was actually placed on waivers. There you have it. The Canadians have loaned Justin Barrett to the Rocket and placed forward Mitchell Stevens on waivers. That happened at 1.55 p.m. exactly. And then later on in the day, the Montreal Canadiens announced uh, that um, they recalled defenseman Arbor Jackey from the Laval Rocket, uh, whose uh, mom, Simona, was a very, very happy camper. You should have seen her on Twitter she says, I'm not going to cry. You're going to cry. She was pretty excited, and a lot of people were excited with her. She's not the only one. Good for Arbor Jack guy. He went down. He took it like a pro. He went there. He was a team player. He worked hard. He played well. Picked up goals. He picked up assists. He picked up points. Uh, he defended his teammates. Uh, he, he did a heck of a lot of good for Logan Mayu's game as well. He was a great influence on the players there, and I think he's coming back with that eye of the tiger. It sounds like it's going to be a good one between the Ottawa Senators and the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night. We'll be back same time, same place at 10 p.m. right after the hockey game. And hopefully we'll be talking about a Montreal Canadiens win and a big-time performance by the team, including and especially Arbor Jacki. For all of you watching, thank you. If you liked it, like it, share it with your friends. Comment sick, S-I-C-K. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. For Shane Gomo and Master Control, thank you to my sick army and my sick community. I love you all. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.